Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Future Insights Network podcast. Uh, today, we've got a very special guest. I'm talking to Stefan Debars from uh, 09 Solutions. He's the director for Europe. Uh, we're going to be talking about AI, well, specifically about the driving digital transformation to AI, uh, to well, with AI. So, uh, Stefan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? First of all, welcome to the, uh, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. And maybe tell us a little bit about your journey so far. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. And hi, Maria. Thanks for having me here. So, my name is uh, Stefan. I'm based out of Netherlands, uh, based out of Amsterdam, and uh, leading online solutions in Europe. So, I think um, just to give you a perspective of what I see happening in the market and, and how I see the market moving is that there's a lot of, uh, I would say, buzz around machine learning, AI, cloud, big data, analytics. But what I find really, really interesting and what really drives me is how can you actually make that real? And, um, and Maria, I, I look forward during today's podcast to talk about that and to give you my sense of what I've been seeing in the market, my, experiencing, uh, my experience from interacting with global organizations, not only here in Europe, but also US and, and Asia, and then, uh, then have a good conversation about how to drive digital transformation and, again, how to make it real. Because by the end of the day, uh, the pace of innovation in the market is so quick. Uh, we see a continuous change in consumer buying behaviors. We see organizations that, through rapid prototyping, change their business models. Uh, we see that the millennial workforce, but also the behavior of millennials in the market is, is changing so rapidly. So how to make your organization more like future-proof? And, um, and that's what I'm excited about. And that's what I'm more or less working on every single day with you know, companies from retail to CPG to industrial manufacturing. Uh, really, really exciting stuff. So, uh, so I'm excited uh, to talk about that, Maria. Great. Well, let's, let's start with um, the hype. So let's start with, uh, with, I guess, maybe the cynicism, first of all. Uh, there is a little bit of cynicism out there that uh, uh, is AI a fad? Is this digital transformation a fad? So maybe we can talk or get your opinion on what you think about this. Is this a fad or is this something that people really need to implement in order to stay competitive? So first of all, it is absolutely in hype. But I think it is absolutely a necessity for organizations to not continue to talk about it, but do something about it. So there are different ways, right, to uh, apply AI and machine learning in businesses. And I think today we, we talk more about, you know, the supply chain and especially supply chain planning perspective and how to use AI machine learning. And I think the starting point actually to want to think about it is how are organizations structured today? Mm -hmm. And what is actually their aim when it comes to supply chain planning? Now, what they want to do is get a very predictive uh, and more or less a very good understanding of what's happening in the market to get to an accurate forecast, which then drives the supply chain. However, that is where organizations now have difficulty. First of all, you know, there's so much happening there in the marketplace that impacts your demand. Now, let's take a CPG, just a CPG company as an example, right? There is, first of all, a lot of new products being introduced 
to the market on a more or less continuous basis. Then what we see is the organization itself is running all kinds of initiatives, you know, marketing campaigns, trade promotions, uh, price reductions, and so on. Then there is a global sales force interacting with all kinds of different um, organizations. I mean, they sell through retail, they have their own online channels, there might be a distribution channel, and so on. And then obviously, then there is the market. So there's consumers that could, you know, uh, get to a buying uh, decision based on social media. It could be based on weather. It could be based on a product rating. It could be based on competitive pricing. I mean, so now I think we already touched upon like 10 different factors that impact your demand. Now, again, traditional organizations, how they are set up, they have a bunch of demand planners that they are all looking into different aspects of that. And now we see companies investing in data scientist teams to get a better understanding, you know, how to apply advanced algorithms and analytics to understand what's happening. Now, the problem is that in traditional organizations, all those more or less analytics really happen in silos. That is one, so it's not connected. Then secondly is a lot of planners, and I mean this is more or less inherent to being a human being, you're biased by definition. And there are different biases that actually impact your decision making. And I think, you know, um, there are, there's different literature out there to get a better understanding of that. But, but let's assume, you know, there are biases. And let's assume there are a lot of silos in the organization. And then also let's assume there's so much going on there in the market that impacts your demand. So, sorry, no, for, I was gonna, just going to interrupt you. you. You've just highlighted something. I want to, I want to uh, stick on that. Um, there's, there are a lot of issues with regards to complexity. Uh, so you've highlighted the consumer behavior challenges. You've highlighted uh, the problems with inundation of data. You've highlighted the problems with silos and segmentation, human error, complexity. Do you think that AI is one of those things that helps overcome or perhaps maybe facilitate uh, an organization's transition to digital transformation and overcome those issues? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that was the point, is that you have so many drivers, so, many, so much data, and well, so many data points is that now it comes down to how do you transfer that data, not only into information, but then also into decision-making. And that is where you know, machine learning and AI uh, really becomes relevant because just a human brain is not capable of analyzing all those different factors and then more or less understanding what are the correlations between them and then what is you know, the best fit output. And it is where you know, machine learning and AI algorithms come into play. They're not only more or less beating uh, the human forecast. Think about you know, a forecast that is being uh, provided by uh, the sales organization, but also by traditional statistical models. So that is where, you know, from a forecasting and demand planning perspective, AI machine learning becomes extremely relevant. Do, do you think that, um it's complex to implement uh, because we're talking to organizations or supply chain directors that are trying to improve how effective their organizations are. But here's the big, but they're trying to do this and achieve their performance goals, 
but with limited resources. So how can they implement this without a huge investment or is it a huge investment? So let me, and it's a really good question, Maria. I think what I see the traditional approach to driving digital transformation is organizations start with a roadmap. So it could be a strategy for the next, you know, one to five years. Mm -hmm. And then what they want to do, they identify in that roadmap that there is a need for more or less technology to be an enabler of achieving that, that roadmap. Now, what happens then, they start this traditional process of running an RFI, RFQ, custom demos, then they make a selection. Um, that's, that normally takes 12 to 60 months. The moment they make a selection, they actually have two challenges and two questions that remain unanswered. One, will actually that technology perform at scale? And two is, will users adopt to it? Now, they make a selection, and then they start implementing. Now, often, you know, what you see is those technology providers, it will be like this one or two or three year implementation plan. But what they forget to do is to offer flexibility. Because what we see with all those organizations, due to the rapid pace of innovation in the market and changing you know, consumer uh, buying uh, patterns and stuff, is that business models change so rapidly that the moment you are stuck in this rigid, you know, one, two, three year implementation process, what you actually will get at year five is that your users and your way of doing business went from Excel spreadsheets to guess what? Excel spreadsheets. So no more or less value created whatsoever. So there is a whole new approach to that. And I think what's really key here is that if you look at, for instance, how these companies in Silicon Valley are driving digital transformation, it's really with rapid prototyping. So what you really need to do is start small, but start with one of your biggest business challenges today. It could be that you have a hard time well, as grasping what's happening there in the market, your demand accuracy is low, but it could also be that you have difficulty more or less translating demand into supply and understanding where are the constraints in my network. So there could be all kinds of different problems, right? But my perspective on that is start small, really narrow down the scope of what you're trying to achieve, have it really clear in your mind what you want to achieve, and then start more or less looking for a technology vendor that actually is flexible and can help you with that. So do rapid prototypes, find out uh, how that will help you, and then start building incremental capabilities on top. And more or less, what I always say is, you know, you are going to fail by definition. That's, hap that's, th that's what happens. But fail fast, then course correct, and then accelerate. And that is also why these, you know, two, three-year roadmaps, they, 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 they really uh, doesn't work because uh, there will be failure and there will be change so you need to be open for that and you need to be able to course correct and then again accelerate. So do you think that perhaps companies or maybe supply chains which have traditionally belonged in bigger, more complex businesses that perhaps have five, 10, 15 year business plans, do you think that they need to adapt to more rapid fire type of business plans uh, that will help them to navigate the complexity in the, you know, with, with the rapid pace that we currently have? Yeah, I mean, totally right. I mean, uh, look at how now consumers and especially millennial generation 
is making buying decisions. I mean, a lot is actually driven by, for instance, social media. Or what we also learned, the moment a CPG company would introduce a new product, I mean, the product rating on Amazon for, for instance, the first two weeks is actually a big indicator for the future well, life cycle of that product. So, so and, and again, I mean, the moment you get constraints uh, on your supply side, then the question is, you know, how can you rapidly actually respond to the market? Then on top of that, we see change in business models. We see uh, completely more or less new solutions coming to the market at a very, very fast pace. Um, so yes, it is good to more or less identify, you know, where you want to go to, but the, the, the path to go there is not longer, you know, a very rigid implementation plan. You really need to do this due to, you know, in, in a way that you can actually do rapid prototyping, that you learn that you understand what's happening, uh, but also that, for instance, uh, we've done a couple of implementations where we looked into driver-based forecasting. So mm -hmm. what that means are all kinds of uh, drivers of demand. You want to get the data behind those drivers, put that into machine learning model, and then try to understand how are all these different you know, drivers impacting my demand. Now, what you actually learn when you start doing that is, you can actually start adding new drivers and understanding the importance of those drivers. So now you actually get to a point where you actually, it could be that there are drivers you didn't know before how important they are for your demand, which then again is an input to your sales and marketing organization to see how can we actually you know, launch uh, brand awareness um, activities, how can we run promotions and so on specifically to those drivers because uh, they have actually an enormous impact on my demand. Okay, and let, let's, let's talk a little bit about what you mentioned earlier with regards to bias, you know, human intervention and, and so forth. The advantages of AI seem to be that they are able to overcome those kinds of bias. They might work a little faster. Could, could you speak a little bit more about the advantages of working with AI to help predict demand? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, it's the ability to absorb uh, enormous amount of data and actually get all those demand drivers in a model and finding out what is uh, the impact on demand. So I think that, that's number one. Mm -hmm. But number two is, in a sense, AI is not biased. So let's assume that, you know, traditional organizations, demand planners work with the sales teams and they know that there could be one salesperson that's always sandbagging the forecast, yeah. while another person has a completely uh, you know, different approach to that. So then when it comes to making decisions of what's going to be the forecast, or in case they need to make uh, allocation decisions on where do we going to ship the products to or how to allocate supply to demand, a demand planner will want us take those biases into consideration. Now, that's just one of the biases, but there are also biases around uh, the availability bias, which for instance means the moment you have a lot of information around a certain topic in front of you, you will be more or less biased to that information, while that can be completely unrelevant to the stuff you're working on. 
And that is, you know, where I really believe AI comes in that, you know, that those more or less human biases, they are non-existing in AI. And then the other advantage is that the human brain, just from um, a cognitive capability perspective, has a lot of limitations. So what we see now in organizations, assume you have a $10 billion CPG organization, they're often working like two to 3,000 planners on you know, analyzing stuff, on, 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 on pulling data into Excel spreadsheet, trying to make sense of data. And, and that's, that's what I see is going to change uh, dramatically. We see now large organizations investing in data scientist teams and really good in understanding uh, and so on. Now then what you need from a um, technology partner is having the ability to actually create input and um, more or less make those people part of the supply chain organization. And what I mean with that is a lot of those uh, uh, data scientist teams are working with R and Python and, and those kinds of uh, technologies. So what we, for instance, have done at within 09, our platform is open source, which means actually we have R and Python plugins. So we can bring in those advanced algorithms and now we can actually start using them into the supply chain, which means that those teams that traditionally are maybe a little bit more in isolation, doing very intelligent work, but then the question is what do you do with the outputs the moment you found that there is correlation of one driver to your demand, right? And this is where you know, integration comes in and especially in the supply chain, it is really connecting your markets, competitors, consumers, all the way back to your sourcing activities. And that is again uh, where AI and machine learning come in. Uh, they can actually start making decisions for you uh, to uh, more or less go to an autonomous supply chain. And I think that is really uh, where organizations should be focused on. How can I get to an autonomous supply chain? And if you think about it, right, from a supply chain planning perspective, there is one big question mark, that is your demand. And then actually everything else is more or less a mathematical formula. You know, you, you more or less know what your lead times are. You, 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 can, you know what your MOQs are. Um, you, know, uh, you know how long it takes to produce a product uh, and so on. So the moment you get a much more accurate demand forecast and you use advanced uh, analytics, you can actually get to an autonomous supply chain pretty quick. That's a pretty bold, bold claim. I mean, an autonomous supply chain, is that something for, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or is it possible now? I think we are close. Technology has come really far to do that. Uh, it's, I would say it's organizations uh, that may be hesitant today. So we are in touch with organizations that are like, hey guys, you know, we really would like to get to an autonomous supply chain versus organizations that are more, I would say traditional in their ways of driving digital transformation. However, again, coming back to the point I made earlier, we see that the pace of innovation is so fast. We see that change is coming at uh, an accelerated speed, which also means that you can see now really supply chain planning as gaining a competitive advantage 
because the moment you have a much better sense of what's happening in the market, you can align your supply chain you know, to those demand signals, which means you can actually be faster to the market than your competitors, means uh, you, know, you can actually improve your market uh, share uh, and drive more sales. Because by the end of the day, that is the goal. Uh, and at the same time, obviously, lowering working capital, which means lowering inventory and reducing your costs. So the moment you do better planning, you have to expedite less material. The moment you do better planning, you, know, you don't need all that flex capacity, running night shifts and, and all that stuff. So again, that is where connectivity comes in, where we see traditional organizations being fairly siloed. Demand and supply is, one, is in one equation, which means that in organizations, you need to bring them together. Well, you described something that seems pretty exciting, you know, the autonomous supply chain. I think there are probably people that fall into two schools of thought. The conservative people that perhaps think that that's something, a pipe dream of for the future down the line, many, many years away, or those people that see, A, the opportunity of an autonomous supply chain, and B, the necessity of one, as you demand, and as you say, because the pace of change is so dramatic that these companies are going to have to do something, otherwise they won't stay competitive. Um, let, let's talk about how AI um, is meant to be either something that augments uh, an existing supply chain or something that replaces a supply chain. That's another thing that worries people is the, uh, you know, the rise of the robots, as it were. Um, how can AI play a role and help people understand that they're not here to take people's jobs, but actually help augment what uh, they're currently doing? Yeah, so actually let me first come back to that first point you made, uh, Maria, and just give you two uh, you know, practical examples of how you know, that could work in, in practice. So uh, we are, for instance, working with a very large coffee company, and what we found out is that one of the drivers for demand variability are local events. So what is a local event? So think about you have, um, you're running a an, an coffee company, at a university campus, and there is a graduation event. Now the first question is, right, how do you know? And then the second question is, how much upside in demand is that local event, that graduation event, going to generate? Now that is actually fairly difficult to get from like social media channels or from the web. Uh, so what actually uh, we've done, we developed an app where you know barista can go in and say hey you know i have a local event next week i expect to sell 50 more flat whites and 50 more sandwiches that app then is real-time connected to your digital supply chain where you know a supply planner can start interacting with the barista to make sure that he will send the supply to make sure that that additional demand can be fulfilled now another example completely different industry we are working with a paints company, and that paint company is selling their paints to construction sites. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you actually know how many construction sites are out there, and how can I improve sales? So what we have done, we have more or less uh, created, again, an app where salespeople in the field, the moment you know they walk or drive past a construction site, they can actually make a photo based on geolocation and also based on data image processing capabilities, we can find out whether that construction 
is already in the CRM database as an opportunity. If not, it will automatically create an opportunity and link that back to a salesperson. So as such, you know, you are now more or less running the month shaping activities uh, through, you know, smart digital uh, solutions. So two, you know, very different examples, but that is really, you know, where um, advanced and new digital solutions come in to build that digital supply chain. Now, to, then to turn more or less to your second question, which is much more related to, is this digital supply chain going to replace a lot of jobs and how does this all work? My sense is, and my uh, view on that is, it's going to make people, but also organizations much more productive and effective. So what we see nowadays is that planners, they work in, in some cases 70 or 80% of their time on collecting information and on analyzing that information in Excel spreadsheets and then trying to connecting the dots with other Excel spreadsheets. Is that productive work? Not really. Do planners like it? Not really. What planners really like to do is more or less having the ability to use their brains, to use their analytical skills, to focus on what are the exceptions and how can I want to solve those exceptions and how can I help, how can I contribute in building a much more digital supply chain. And that is where we see, you know, there is a huge productivity gain in supply chain organizations. And I think in organizations in general, where combining human with technology is just going to uh, be an enabler for improving business value. Um, so I don't see, uh, you know, organizations, or I also don't see that people should be afraid of this. I think they should embrace it. There is definitely a need to maybe educate yourself uh, to get some uh, new skills around you know, data analytics and, and, and that kind of stuff. But again, it's not only data. By the end of the day, there is also a need to understand how a business is working, how a market is working, and so on. We're just combining the two, like you know, good business knowledge, understanding of how a business works with you know, how to make use of data, how to apply data analytics, AI, machine learning, combine them, then I think you have a really powerful combination. I think you keep going on to the point of data. I think there, out of all the members that are within our community and a lot of the conversations we've been having, um, data is at the heart of this. Uh, they, I don't think there's any organization that is not drowning in data. And so the ability to use they're probably even scratching the surface at the possibilities or opportunities that data can give them. So would AI help them process that information more effectively? Uh, and would some, something like AI give them added advantage to use that data? Yeah, I think uh, the, the first thing is that organizations, they uh, really have a feeling that they need to do something with data but then at the same time, they're really concerned about the accuracy of their current data and also about the completeness of their data set. So one of the good things, and especially when it comes to market or master data, master data, especially large organizations, is more or less stored in all kinds of different applications. So CRM systems, ERPs, but also a lot of Excel and, and maybe even some proprietary developed applications. 
So the first thing more or less where AI and machine learning can help is to from transactional data, deriving master data. To give you an example, in planning, what's very important are lead times. Mm -hmm. So lead time from the supplier to a material hub, the lead time from a material hub to the factory, you know, and so on. So there are different lead times. Now, those lead times in ERPs are often set once, and that is often more or less a contractual lead time, for instance, between a supplier and the organization. Now, those lead times change, which means you need to continuously more or less update your master data because that is a very important input to planning. Now, where machine learning and AI are really good at is more or less, you know, update that based on transactional data, but at the same time, if there are a lot of missing master data fields, you know, through extrapolation and through more or less finding patterns in the data, you know, clean actually your master data. So I think that's really the first step that that concern should not be a concern. That concern is an opportunity. So use AI machine learning to start cleaning your data. So the moment you have more or less cleansed your data, you start adding more data sources, then you get this enormous amount of data. And that is again where you, know, you need to have a platform that is able to process enormous amount of data and that can then make sense of it. And that's also what we see now with the IoT wave. So mm -hmm. Internet of Things, sensor data. There's so much data that is now available. But again, it comes down to what data is relevant for you, how to connect the data with other data pieces, and then start making sense of it. And, and again, AI, that is what... And AI can do that. Yeah. And yeah. so exactly. then let's move to the next step, which is the, the processes, because there's no point in in having a, a mountain of data, I mean, it's great, don't get me wrong, to be able to get the data monkey off your back, you know, and we're all drowning in data. So if you can solve that issue, and I mean, I would love to, to solve that issue. I'm sure a lot of the people that we're talking to would love to solve the data issue. Then that leads you to the next step, which is, okay, we've got a bit of data under control. We're reading and seeing what our data is telling us. We know what we should use. Do you then need to move to improved, better processes? And can AI help? ease that that within an organization because we find that it's data is an issue processes is another issue and people are another issue but let's let's talk about the processes first yeah so let me let me give you an example so um i'm going to give you an example of google maps right so um let's say you're on a flight tomorrow and your flight uh the departure time is 10 a.m in the morning now most likely Google is going to send you a message where they will say, hey, you need to leave by 7.45 to reach to the airport on time. Now, the question is, how do they do that, right? So what they actually do, they use three core capabilities. One is what we call the AI-powered knowledge model. And in that model, there is the network master data, which is the road with the traffic lights and the speed limits and, and so on. That is connected with data sensors. Think about traffic information, your calendar, the yeah. flight data, and then they have smart algorithms. So they have the network master, the network master, big data, algorithms, and then they use the Google Maps app to send you one of uh, prescriptive uh, actions, and and that is something you know we are very familiar with in our daily daily lives. 
Now that is where, again, in supply chains, that becomes very relevant. Because the moment you more or less create a network master, which is a digital twin of a supply chain, connect that with data sources. So in supply chains, that's all the way from connecting that to master data and transactional data that's coming out of your ERPs, like the build, build distribution and build material, to those external data sources we've been talking about, you know, weather, social media sentiment, but also more macroeconomic data like GDP development or interest rates, then use, you know, AI machine learning. And then what you will be getting is exactly the same. So, hey, demand is going up by 10%. Um, I've done the demand supply match and there is a constraint in my network. Uh, it's a factory that is more or less at 100% utilization. But if we run a night shift, we can actually make sure that the month will be fulfilled. Similarly, it could be that one of your suppliers is not able to deliver. What I want is a similar message as Google is sending me that, hey, there is an issue. Your demand potentially cannot be fulfilled. But if you source from another vendor, we can, and then we expedite the material, we can still make sure that we can fulfill the demand. So that is really, you know, think about those examples that Google is sending us. But similarly, you know, the moment you, you start your television, Netflix is going to start you recommending what, what, which series to watch. Amazon starts recommending you which products to buy. I mean, the same concepts apply in the supply chain, but more or less in the traditional supply chain world, that's all disconnected. And that is where I really think that, you know, new technologies and especially the stuff we are doing with online is so super exciting that we build a digital twin, we connect it with a lot of data, and then we use advanced AI machine learning to get you those alerts and to get to more or less decision making. And, and that is really where the value is, getting that end-to-end -end visibility and connectivity, but then start using those smart uh, algorithms to start making decisions for you. You give, you give very valid examples, you know, very good examples that we take for granted today, I think. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I've got a flight to catch. I look at my phone. It tells me you should probably leave now to go to the airport. I take that for granted. If, as a result of that, as a consumer, I'm expecting that level of knowledge from, from the, my interface with something like my Google Calendar, we will then expect that from with, within our supply chains, won't we? Uh, what advice do you have to companies that perhaps believe that the AI question, the AI investment is not for them? What advice do you have for companies who perhaps think that digital transformation is not something they want to look at right now? So I, I think there are not, to be honest, not many companies that wouldn't look into digital transformation because I personally believe, and, and there's a lot of market research on that as well. The moment you're not looking into this right now, it might be too late already. Yeah. So yeah. my advice would be find your business challenges, then start small with rapid prototypes. So build a machine learning driver-based model, start adding more data into that, and make that a key driver for your supply chain. It could also be that connectivity is an issue. You have, you're a big organization, you have you know, 20 plus ERP systems, you have absolutely no understanding of where you have capacity, where is material, where is inventory, and how can I actually then fulfill my demand? At the same time, 
prioritize your demand because one customer can be more important than another customer. One item can be more important than another item. So that is again where that all comes together and where you say, hey, you know, this is for me a critical business challenge. This is where I'm going to start. So digital transformation projects are no longer big boom projects that take two years. Like you develop, 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 and then big boom, and then, you know, good luck. No, it's a process where technology, people, and process come together, where technology vendors like O9 are providing assistance and guidance on the change management piece, but at the same time providing very advanced technology, working together with a cross-functional team within an organization to get to that live environment where people will see their proprietary data with their business users, getting a sense of that should be more or less prioritized based on the business challenges and the business needs. And that is a completely new way of driving digital transformation, but it's the way that, you know, the successful companies are doing it right now. Okay. What, what I mean, you've given us some, some good advice there. Uh, any, any last key takeaways that you think that, uh, or recommendations that you have for people? I would say uh, you really need to start not only thinking about it, but you need to start somewhere. So more or less repeating myself, but find your business challenge and then uh, start interacting with 09 and then get a sense of, um, you know, this is possible. This is now real in the market. It's not longer bust and then start driving value from it. Because business value is the most important thing. All, all organizations are more looking for how can they grow market uh, share, while at the same time lowering the cost of doing business, which means they uh, you know, increase profits. But it's not only a profit question, to be honest. It's also a sustainability question. Mm -hmm. Because if you look into supply chains, right, there is so much waste. Think about inventory sitting there. Think about all these organizations that actually have to destroy products, but that's just because of poor planning. Think about expediting material through air. I mean, you know, the, the carbon footprint of organizations when it comes to expediting and inventories is just not really good. So the moment you do better planning, you can also be much more sustainable, which means you actually make a positive impact to both the environment and the society. And I think that is the beauty, again, about you know, the technology. It's not only improving your bottom line, it, you're making an impact to the society and to the environment as well. And that is, to me, really what, what drives me as well, is that you can impact business value, that you can impact value for society environment, all by applying advanced technology and doing that into a digital transformation way where you do rapid prototypes. I think, I think you've covered um, some, some very interesting points there. I think if technology is able to help organizations with competitive advantage, with helping them move in this rapid pace or adapt to consumer behavior uh, and the changing patterns of business, 
But not only that, also have an impact on sustainability, which is something that is very important for businesses right now as well. Then I think that it's, it's a win-win scenario. Um, Stefan, I want to thank you for being part of this podcast. You've really covered a great deal of material. Um, we're going to have some details if anyone wants to get in touch with Stefan or uh, the gentleman of 09 Solutions who are expanding here in Europe. Uh, I'll have details for you on that. Um, thank you very much. And we look forward to welcoming you again, Stefan. Awesome. And thanks a lot, uh, Maria. And talk soon. Thank you. All right.